Well, good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Yeah, you look well. You do look well. I'm Pastor Cliff, one of the pastors here at Arbor, and I am excited to continue our series on good news. And uh, Allison's going to wrap it up next week on Mother's Day. And, uh, but today I get the chance to talk about the greatest of these. And it's, the Bible says the greatest of these is what? Love, love. So that's where we get to go today. Not love like we're used to thinking about, though. It's a different love. I want to start by just sharing a story that comes out of World War II, uh, the Holocaust, where millions of Jews were, were murdered in concentration camps. It's a true story about Solomon Rosenberg and his family. His two boys, Joshua and David, his mother and father, his wife, were all arrested by the Nazis and put into a labor concentration camp. And the rule of the labor concentration camp was really simple. If you can do the work that you are assigned to every day, you'll live. And if there comes a day you can't do the work that's assigned to you, you'll be marched off and exterminated. You'll be killed. And Solomon had watched the harsh reality of that take place as he saw his mother marched off to her death and then his father marched off to his death. He was really concerned about his youngest son, David, because he wasn't a very physically strong kid. And so every day when Solomon would come back from, uh, from working, for, doing forced labor, the long hours, he'd come back to the barracks, he would immediately begin to look for the faces of his family. And when he saw them, uh, they would come together the, and, and huddle up and, and put their arms around each other, embrace each other, and just thank God for another day alive together. And then that day came when Solomon came back from the barracks and couldn't find those familiar faces, and he began to search frantically for his family. He found his oldest son, Joshua, huddled in a corner, sobbing hysterically. And he came over to him and he said, Joshua, what's wrong? Tell me it's not true. And Joshua looked up at him and said, Papa, it is true. Today David could not do his work and they came and took him away. And he said, Joshua, he said, but where's your mother? And he said, Papa, when they came to take David, he, he was afraid and he began to cry. And Mama said, don't cry, David. You don't have to be afraid. I'll go with you. And she took his hand and went with him. To her death. That's love. That's choosing to love. A proven, personal, trustworthy love. A love of a mother for her child, but it also is a great example of God's love for us. God's love for us, that's why I believe that God's love for us is the greatest news there is. God's love for us is the greatest news there is. But his love is different. His love is perfect. His love is personal, proven, trustworthy. He chose to love us and love us unconditionally. And that's why I think it's the greatest news. But it's a different love. It's not love like the world sees today. It's not the love that you will see going through the checkout stand and looking at the magazines. It's not the love that you will see primarily on the internet. It's not the love that you'll see on the TV shows. That's a different kind of love. I, I did some checking and found out that Amazon has 80,000 plus books with love in the title that they want to sell you. Uh, 
Uh, Google says there are over 200, what was it, 50, no, 25 million, 270,000 websites with love is a key word in them. 25 million plus. Most of them have nothing to do, really, with the kind of love that we're talking about. I think perhaps the most profound and simplest definition of the kind of love we're talking about is recorded in the Bible in 1 John chapter 4, verse number 8, where it says, God is love. God is love. Man, two of you knew that. That was excellent. Good for you. Good for you. The rest of you, let's learn it. Can you say it with me? God is love. Say it again. God is love. That's your memory verse for the week. There you go. 1 John 4, 8. God is love. Yes, thank you. Wait a minute. So if God is love and we are on God's side, then we are on the side of love. We're on the side of love. And today I'm going to ask you to choose, to make the choice to be on the side of love. So let's ask God to, to show us what that looks like from His Word. Will you pray with me? Lord, we are so thankful that we have the privilege of coming together Thanks for the folks that are, that are here, the folks that are online. Uh, as we come together to open up your word, we are asking Holy Spirit for you to minister to it to us, for you to bring clarity in areas that perhaps we haven't been clear before, for you to show us yourself in, the, in your word that it'll make a difference in who we are and how we act and how we represent you. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at, in the Bible, from 1 John chapter 4. We'll begin in verse number 7 in just a moment. And so we'll, we'll catch up with that 8 that we just talked about to examine the love that we're talking about. John does a great job of describing Jesus' love. He writes passionately about it. He actually calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. Isn't that a great description for yourself? He says, man, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. And so he wrote passionately all about that. One of the things he wants us to know, and he makes it really clear in all of his writings, is that this kind of love that we are talking about doesn't happen automatically. We have to choose it. And oftentimes we have to choose it again and again and again that we have to make the choice to love in that way. So let's look at his description of God's love to us and how we should therefore love others. 1 John 4, beginning in verse number 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And there he's talking about that perfect love that God demonstrates. So let me ask you a question. If you knew someone, so it says a child who knows God, you know God, and God knows you, what kind of, how would you describe that love? Anybody? How would you describe a love where you know each other well? Personal. 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 Any other descriptions? Unconditional. Unconditional. What's that? Paternal. Paternal. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so, so God comes and he says, I want, I want you to see how my love is personal and it's relational. It's because of a personal relationship with who he is. That's his love for us. So the love we're talking about that comes from him is born out of that personal relationship with him. 
which is what he wants us to demonstrate to others. I think one of the most powerful messages for everyone you know is that God actually does love them. And he loves them personally. He wants to be in a personal relationship with them. That means he wants a relationship with you that is unique with you and him that no one else in the world has or will ever have. Your relationship is a unique relationship with him. He sees you that way. And he wants us to see other people that way. That, that I matter, that you matter, that we all matter, and we all matter personally and individually. Now, if that's the way he loves us, and he's asking us to choose to love other people that way, that really means, friends, that as believers in Jesus, we should treat people like they matter to God and to us. And I would say that especially means the ones that you don't agree with or the ones who don't agree with you. Let's put it that way. And as believers, isn't it easy to kind of start getting somebody who doesn't agree with you, even those in the church who don't agree with you, we kind of start putting them over here and treat them like there's something else and God's saying, no, no, that's not the way I want you to do that. I want you to love them personally, to see them personally as I see you. Now we said God is love, so God does define love, but love does not define God. You see that? Love does not define God, but God does define love because God is so much more than just love. He is compassionate. He is merciful. He is gracious. He is all these, he is just. He's all these other things, but he also exemplifies Perfect love, godly love, perfect love. And that's the love that we're talking about this morning. So uh, I told you I'm going to ask you to choose to live on the side of that kind of love. So let's keep going now. Verse number 9. Oh, before I go to verse number 9, I've got to share this quote with you. Augustine, who was one of the early church fathers after the first generation of disciples, he, he wrote this, God loves each one of us as if there were only one of us. Isn't that good? God loves each one of us individually as if we're the only one, as if there's only one of us. So now let's go to verse number nine. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So God sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And so he did that. Why did he do that? Why did he send his son to take away our sins? He loves us. So he loves us is what motivated him to do it. Why else? So we could have a relationship with him. So we could have a relationship with him. So he, it, it was the most loving way that God could restore a relationship between us as human beings and him was to send his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So he, he loved us so much he did it, but he did it because we needed it. You see that? He did it because we needed it. He sacrificed his son because we needed it that badly. Therefore, love sacrificially meets the needs of others. 
Oh, it's not something that's just willy-nilly. It's not something that just has to pour out of us because we feel good today. It's something we have to be willing to sacrificially do for other people to meet the needs that they have. Let's go on to verse number 11. Then John says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. He said our response to God doing that for us should be to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and His love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him and He in us. So the Holy Spirit lives in us. That's the proof that He lives in us and we in Him are expressing that love to others. Now let me ask you this question. What's even more important than saying you love somebody? Showing it. Showing it. Your actions. Your actions. Your actions are actually more important than your lips moving, aren't they? And you know people where you felt that about. You know, they say, oh, I do love you. And you're going, really? It doesn't look like that right now. You know, so, so your actions need to demonstrate that. And John is saying that love is directed by the Holy Spirit, Him in us, and it's proven by actions. So it's proven by what we do and how we respond. By the way, that is not the world's definition of love, is it? I mean, the world's definition of love, from the world's perspective, we love because of what we can get out of it. Oh, I'm going to love you. And here's what I expect to get from you. And if we don't get it, we, become, we tend to become disheartened, disenfranchised, or disillusioned and go, Oh, I'm not going to love them anymore. Why not? Because I'm not getting what I want out of it. Oh, that's not the love that we're talking about here, that God is talking about here. And God does it. He proves it himself. He didn't just feel like sending his son. He did it so that you and I could have forgiveness of our sins in a, in a personal relationship with him. And what's even more amazing, he did it when we weren't even on his side. He did it when we were enemies of his Romans 5.8 says, For God demonstrated His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. Proving our love for each other is most difficult when it's inconvenient and sacrificial. But it most demonstrates God's love for us when it's inconvenient and sacrificial. If we as a church, if we as Jesus' church just loved each other that way, it would change how those outside of the church see being in the church. Amen? They would go, oh, wow, I want some of that. Instead of going, man, I see no reason to be part of that. They don't even like each other. And I don't blame them. That's not godly love, friends. It's not. We've got to ask God to give us a new sense of love that really demonstrates it the way he demonstrated it for us. And we need to be willing to do it for other people. And that will change. We need to choose, choose to live on the side of love. It is a choice. Let's keep going. Verse number 14. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. 
All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. I, I was, when I was reading this, I thought, man, we could do a whole message on just those two verses, but I want to just camp on the last couple of words there. We have put our trust in His love. God did not send His Son to die on the cross, listen, to prove He loves us. That's not why He did it. He did it to save us. He did it to save us because He loves us. You see the difference between the two? You see the difference there? And, 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 and he, by demonstrating that and by demonstrating it while we were still against Him, while we weren't even friends with Him, by demonstrating, he proved how trustworthy his love is. Godly love is trustworthy love. Godly love is trustworthy. And, and the reason this is so important is this. If we can trust the actions of God, if we say, God, I trust you. I know you love me. I know you love me. There's no question in my mind you love me. I know what you've done for me. I know you love me. And now something happens in our lives that does not make sense. We don't see God in it. Do we trust Him? Because godly love is trustworthy. And what John is saying is, because we trust Him, we know His character, we can, we can actually say, you know what? I don't get it. I don't understand it, but I trust you. I trust you, so I'm going to continue to love the way you want me to, and I'm going to continue to receive your love for me. Yeah. I had a little... Now, 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 this happens, by the way, this happens not just with God and us, but it happens with us and each other if we see each other that way, if we see each other's love as trustworthy. So, I'm going to just share this. I, this last week, I, I stepped on somebody's toes uh, from our staff a little bit. You know, I mean, not a little bit. I didn't realize I was doing it, but I did. I stepped on their toes. And um, in the first service, I said I wasn't going to say who it was. Um, what you think? I'm... So I so I said I said I wouldn't, and then I said, and she, and that kind of blew the blew the story. So uh, there you have it, and she. So uh, I came to Allison. I said, I'm sorry. I said I didn't realize I stepped on your toes. She goes, I know, I know. I knew you weren't aware of it, and I thought, wow, that's so cool. That's so cool that she trusted my heart. See, when we trust the intentions of another, oh, it makes all the difference, doesn't it? Because we go, oh, oh, that hurt. And, but you know what I know? I know that's not their character. I know that they wouldn't have done that intentionally. That's how we can do that with God. When we say, I don't understand this. God, it makes me angry. In fact, I'm even mad at you right now because I don't get it. But I trust you. Your love is trustworthy. So I accept that. Verse number 17 and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we can keep getting better about this. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Why can we face Him with confidence? Because we live like Jesus. It's right there. We can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus. And friends, if we live like Jesus, we are going to love like Jesus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's when it comes to a place where we can say, I choose to live on the side of that kind of love. Love lives for the benefits of others. Love lives for the benefit 
of other people. During the reign of Oliver Cromwell, it was 17th century uh, England, a British soldier was condemned to die. And uh, his fiance, the morning that he was supposed to be executed, his fiance came to Oliver Cromwell, who basically made the rules, and said, would you please let him live? And she pled for his life. She begged Oliver Cromwell to let her fiance live. He said no, and didn't listen to her place. We don't know why he was condemned to death, but he was. And so uh, he was supposed to die that night at the tolling of the curfew bells. So they had these, this big bell that they rang. When it, when it was curfew at night, everybody had to come in. Then they would ring that bell. And so he was, he was uh, to be executed when the bell tolled that night. And the whole town is waiting for the, the bell to toll and the execution to take place. And the sexton, that's the guy who rings the bell, he, he, he comes over to it at the curfew hour and he grabs the rope to the belfry and he pulls on it and there's no sound from the bell. And he pulls on it again and there's no sound from the bell. And he pulls on it more vigorously and more vigorously and there is still not a sound from the bell. What people didn't realize yet was that the condemned soldier's fiance had climbed up into the belfry and had wrapped herself around the clapper of that huge bell. And every time the sexton pulled on the rope, she was being smashed from one side of the bell to the other side of the bell. But it was muffling the sounds of the bell. And no sound came from the bell. And when he gave up, trying to ring that bell and the bell and it quit swinging she came down from that belfry and staggered in front of the people and Oliver Cromwell was upset he didn't know what had happened he just knew that it appeared his orders had been disobeyed and so he called the soldiers and said I want to know why my orders were not obeyed why did that bell not toll and the soldiers dragged the fiance of the condemned soldier in front of Cromwell and there she confessed what she had done. And Cromwell looked at her bloody and battered body and her tear-stained face, and he was overwhelmed with the love that she had for, his fiance, for her fiancé. And he said in a quiet, firm voice, Go your way. Your lover lives. Tonight, the curfew bell shall not ring in this town. She chose love. Sacrificial, personal, proven love. What God's asking us to do is to choose to live on the side of love, His love. Verse 18, John says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels or casts out all fear if we are afraid it is fear of punishment and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love we love each other because he loved us first so he said we don't have to fear punishment uh, if you fear it it shows that you haven't really experienced his perfect love which has forgiven your sins so you have no reason to fear any kind of judgment Godly love is a fearless love. 
Now, the, the fact that it says expels or casts out fear would indicate that fear was there to begin with, right? Or that fear could be there because it, then it could be cast out. So he's saying, hey, you may have that where you are afraid to love someone, but you need to get with God and understand his perfect love for you so you can love that way and let it go. Let the fear go. Cast it out. Chuck it. Chuck it out. So there's not fear and you can love with abandonment even those who don't deserve it. I was thinking about that. I thought if we love people fearlessly like God loves us, what might we fear when we love people like Jesus loves us? What might we fear? If we, we, we're going to love people just like Jesus loved us, what might happen? Rejection. We could be rejected. What else? Taken advantage of. Oh, this is good stuff. Yes. What else? We could be hurt. We could, what's that? Love, yes. If we love that way, those kinds of things could happen to us, couldn't they? And they might just happen to us that way. Oh, that means when we choose to live on the side of love, we choose that even if we're not loved back. When we choose to live on the side of love, we choose it even if we're misunderstood. When we choose to live on the side of love, we choose to live that way, even when we're hurt, even when we're demeaned, even when people lord it over us. We choose to do that because we know that Jesus did that for us, even when we did all of those things to Him. He still loved us. And he loved us that way. Friends, that's why we have to choose to live on the side of love. John concludes this section that he's writing about the love of God with a litmus test. A test that will give us a chance to see where we stack up. Verse number 20. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. For if we don't love God... We don't love people we can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Wow. Wow. There are some people you know that make this very difficult, aren't they? It makes it a tall order. Now, don't look around at anybody. Don't point no fingers here, you know. <laughs> but you and I both know people that make this so difficult, and even some people who call themselves believers, right? And who say they are, and in fact, may very well be. So we might want to try to get out of that. And then Jesus says this, love your neighbor as yourself. So he's not even differentiating between believers and non-believers. He's saying love them both. John's saying uh, uh, you must, there's a command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Now, I don't know about you, but I think in some instances, for me, it's easier to love those who are not believers than it is those who are believers. You, you experience that? Let's just be honest. Yeah. Now, why is that? Why would that be? We expect more. We expect more from somebody who is a believer. And we, 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 we think we should have the right to, right? 
But, but those expectations, God's saying, in spite of that, I still want you to love them. In spite of that fact that they may not treat you right, whatever it is, I want you to love them and you to demonstrate that. And friends, when we choose to live on, on the side of love that way, that's what, that's what the Bible says the rest of the world will see and will recognize who Jesus is. Why? Because of our love for each other. Because of our love for each other. Because it'll be so unusual. It'll be so foreign. And believe me, it will be. Because most churches that you walk into, you can find the factions, man. And they aren't acting like they love each other. And we've got to lay that down, friends. We've got to. Because God's calling us to a higher level than that. He's calling us to a love that's like His love for us. And we need to be willing to step into that. We need to make the choice to live on the side of love. Gang, I'm going to tell you something. Living on the side of love is a choice. It's a choice. Sometimes it's a difficult choice. But it's a choice that God is calling us to make. You can choose to live on the side of love. You can't do that until you understand a little bit what love is, what God's love for us is. And when we accept that, that it's God's love for us, and that He wants us to love others that way, then we can say, okay, I'm going to choose to live on that side. When we choose to live on that side of love, we start, have to start asking ourselves questions. Am I responding to this person like God would have me with His love? Are my actions demonstrating that I'm choosing to live on the side of love like God's love would demonstrate? Are, are my words, are my, the words that I'm speaking, are they demonstrating that I'm choosing to live on the side of love, God's love? Does my life demonstrate that I'm on God's side? My dear friend Dave Browning penned a, some prose that he called I Am on the Side of Love, and I own that. I mean, it, it is just, it has become my deal. I'd like to read it to you. I am on the side of love. I am on the side of love. I'm not on the side of hate and division or power and control or selfishness and greed or bigotry and insult. I am on the side of love. When the choice is fight or flight, I choose another option. Love. It's the choice that Jesus made when faced with waywardness and disappointment. It is the first and best response in the face of rejection. And it's the ultimate and final response to fear. In any and every situation, I want to ask, how would love respond? What would love do next? Love is my strategic plan. It's my operating system and my guiding light. There are cynics out there and pessimists, even antagonists and terrorists, and they may critique me or attack me, but they cannot control me. I alone pick my path, and the path I am picking is love. I'm not going to be traveling on the low road, the broad road that leads to destruction. They will have to go on without me. I'm walking the narrow way that leads to life, abundant and eternal. I am following Christ on the road less traveled, and that has made all the difference. 
I hereby refuse to live as a mere mortal or treat someone else as one. I must confess that I've never actually looked into the face of someone who didn't matter infinitely to God. And I am choosing to see people as God does, more than skin deep. By love, all will know that I am his disciple. Love means it's not about me. I can no longer be in the business of myself. It's much too small a business to be in. My life is meant for others. My life is meant for experiencing and expressing the grace of God. My life is actually meant for spiritual greatness because my life is meant for you. I've come to believe that love is the greatest thing that anyone can ever receive or give. And it's what gets me up in the morning. Love is my bold reason for living. I want love to rule the world. I want to be a catalyst in a worldwide awakening of love. There is no other option. Love is the only thing that can possibly work. For most of my life, I have been favorably disposed to love, but not particularly dogmatic about it. Those days are over for me now. Other voices are screaming now. I am being forced to choose. So I pledge allegiance to being on love's side. I am a Christ one. So I am an agent of love. So help me God, I am on the side of love. Whose side? Are you on? Let's pray. Lord, you have made it very clear to us that you want us to be on your side and that your side is that, that perfect love that only you have, that love that casts out fear, that love that ministers to us, that love that you demonstrated when you sacrificed your son for us on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could be made right with you and it could be in a personal relationship with you. And Lord, today as we reflect on that love and as I have in this past week uh, in making this message, Lord, I just have been realized how short I've been at times and needed to say, Lord, forgive me for not demonstrating your love as your love to others, to everyone else. So God, I'm just praying that you would accept our confession, accept our repentance. Show us how to love and love well. Thank you for demonstrating it so perfectly to us. In Jesus' name, amen.